0: Modern. modern modern modern
1: we're prepping for a voyage modern the force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration
0: why don't you make that a double modern bar cart
1: what's shaken, cocktail fans welcome back to another episode of the modern bar cart podcast as always i'm your host eric kozlik and I come to you today with a long-awaited episode. If you remember, back when we launched the Embitterment Heritage Collection a few months ago, I dedicated an episode to exploring the cocktail history and culture pertaining to each of our new flavors, except tiki. And today, we're going to fix that. But first, a couple quick announcements. First announcement is that we're giving you, the podcast listeners, a ridiculous discount because well we feel like it all this week literally until we launch the next episode after this one our typhoon tiki bitters by embitterment will be 50% off that's 50 not 15 50 50% off all you have to do is use the code freaky tiki all one word at checkout on modernbarcart.com and you'll get that product half Off. Announcement number two is for all our Maryland and DC area listeners. This coming weekend, April 21st, 2018, we'll be hanging out with all our favorite Maryland distillers at the Frederick Craft Spirits Festival at the Fairgrounds in Frederick, Maryland. We'll be manning the mixer's booth alongside the shrub district crew so come on down to that event sample all our products and check out the amazing work that our Maryland distillers are doing as well. I've got a link to that event in the show notes and if you follow that link you can pick up your tickets which are $40 but that's actually a great deal because there's going to be over a dozen local distilleries all in one spot plus we're going to be there so you know it's going to be a good time. Before we jump into our tiki interview with Ben Wiley of Archipelago, I think it's only fitting that you should make yourself a tiki drink. This week's featured cocktail is the legendary Mai Tai. If there was a Mount Rushmore of tiki drinks, the Mai Tai would definitely be up there. It's complex, sweet, sour, fruity, and it packs a punch. To make this one, you'll need one ounce of amber rum, one ounce of Jamaican rum, one ounce fresh lime juice, half ounce of orange curacao, a quarter ounce of orgeat, which is an almond syrup, and a quarter ounce of regular simple syrup. To make it, you combine all those ingredients in a shaker with crushed, not cubed, ice. You shake it for 10 seconds and then pour the entire concoction into a Collins glass or a large rocks glass with a mint garnish. Now, Ben and I spend a good amount of time on the Mai Tai this episode. And if there's one thing to remember, it's that this recipe is just a set of guidelines. Go into 10 tiki bars. You're going to come out with 10 completely different takes on the Mai Tai. But this recipe, which I took from imbibe.com, is a great place to start your experiments. Also, later in the episode, we give a couple of options for how to achieve crushed ice in a home setting. So if that step of the process happens to be tricky for you, just listen in, we've got some tips later on. Besides the Mai Tai, some of the things Ben and I discuss in this episode include How to define tiki, which isn't as easy as it sounds. A brief history of tiki, including the stories of Don the Beachcomber and Trader Vic. Common tiki ingredients and spirits to have on hand at your home bar. A handful of excellent cocktail recipes to start sampling at your favorite tiki bar and experimenting with at home. A new lightning round question and much, much more the story of how ben rose through the ranks of the hospitality industry here in dc to carve out his own niche as one of the owner operators of archipelago tiki bar is a really inspiring story for anybody who cares about flavor and good hospitality so if you're in the dc area i do hope you'll head on over to u street and grab a drink and chat with ben but for now i think you should throw on a hawaiian shirt Set your Amazon Echo to play beach noises, maybe drink something out of a coconut, and enjoy this fascinating conversation with Ben Wiley of Archipelago. Ben, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So today we are... Finally, digging into a kind of long-awaited topic here on the Modern Bar Cart Podcast, and that is the world of tiki. So, why don't we start out with just telling people who you are, what you do, and maybe how this location where we're sitting came into into being.
0: Okay. Well, my name is Ben Wiley. I'm a owner operator of Archipelago here. It's on uh, 12th and U. So, I have been a bartender and in the hospitality industry for about 10 years now. Came in here after college. Did the thing where I think a lot of people do, where they think they're gonna go into politics and you take a step back and you go, no, 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 no. So I kind of fell into the hospitality industry, loved it, loved the people, loved the hours, loved the hard work, loved the kind of taking of ownership and, and, and enjoying myself at working with people. And so I have met a few good people along the way and met a lot of great people, but uh, working with them, me and my business partners, we decided to do Tiki. It is. It was a long, long, a little bit of long journey. We'd been uh, bartenders at different establishments together, and then this place kind of popped up, and then DC, and then it was the right time, right place. A lot of, lot of great little things, kind of a confluence of events. And we can talk about tiki and what that means to us, and what, where we think it is in the world, and where it's kind of coming from, and where hopefully where it's going. That's kind of what I want to talk about today.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, we've been. Back about mm, this past January, we launched a new set of bidders, and what I tried to do for those was kind of assign a podcast episode to each flavor and kind of explain what the deal was with that flavor. And, and one of our flavors was Tiki. Mm-hmm. And what I realized when we got to that episode, I kind of dragged my feet, put it off to the last one. And I just realized by the time I got to it, that I didn't know nearly enough to be able to do it justice. Mm-hmm. So i um, hoping that that's what we can do here today. Apologies to anybody listening where we're right above an active construction zone. We're trying to, uh, to minimize that, but uh, you may hear a few noises. It just means we're... Here live at archipelago okay. in the real it's world it's U street it's yeah. the summer it is U street it's it's, it's the first day that it actually feels like a little bit yeah. you know spring like um so now is when we're kind of revisiting the topic of tiki and i'm hoping that you can just give us a basic working definition
0: of what tiki is so that's easier said than done i'll try to keep it brief uh tiki and um, i could go into history a little bit of it uh historically speaking it kind of came out of uh, a lot of different uh, elements, but to me, uh, tiki at its essence is a vibe. I think uh, I think people uh, use it as a gateway for a lot of different things. I think uh, you find a lot of people love it for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's the, sometimes it's the uh, the music. Sometimes it's the decorations. It's the aesthetics. It's the history. It might be a little bit of the the culture. And for us, it's been drinks and kind of marrying all those elements and. You know, the, in our good days, it's, uh, it's about a vibe. I, I believe that Tiki has a lot, of, uh, a lot to offer people other than just like these sugary cocktails that people might um, might, like, assume like, you know, from their parents or maybe on a beach, but there's a lot to dig into there and it's been a, kind of a fun thing for us to kind of discover ourselves as we kind of have gone down the rabbit hole. So if Tiki is a vibe, how would you describe that vibe? Again, on our, on our best days, it's, uh, it's taking yourself into kind of a vacation. This world kind of a lot goes on every day. I think at, a, at its best moments, it is the ones that kind of take you outside of the, the, the day-to-day, the construction sites, the, the people, on the, you know, the cars, and you're taking a step back and you're a tropical island. You are all of a sudden, you're whisked away. You get to paint a picture of yourself drinking a drink with maybe an umbrella, a long straw, and you're you're mentally on vacation and that's what we're that's what we hope to do and that's hopefully you know kind of and it's hard to distill down into a couple different things but i'd like to think that you know when people are happy it creates its own just mindset so
1: sure what you're kind of describing reminds me of something that i read uh, in a really famous robert frost essay called the shape a poem makes and he says there's something uh, about it a sense of transport Mm -hmm. uh you know when you read a, a great piece of literature or poetry you're transported somewhere somehow and it seems like you're describing that kind of transport here where you're literally stepping off the street here in u street and entering a space and part of that
0: transport is kind of the vibe that you're describing as tiki here Exactly. What we hope to do and what Tiki is to a lot of different people, it pulls from a lot of different aspects of the world. It pulls from different islands, different cultures, um, sometimes, you know, too much. But on a whole, it is, you know, the drinks, the music, the decor, the tropical plants. You're kind of sitting there and you're like, I, this is where I want to be. You know, I'm, I'm transported away and I get to kind of like relive like a good moment or, you know, create new ones.
1: Yeah, and there's definitely, I'd say, uh, a little bit of kitschiness, a little mm-hmm. bit of sort of like cheesy Hawaiian shirt thing going yeah. on where it's it's almost like you would not be maybe caught dead if you are a, you know, young professional business person you would not be caught dead wearing a hawaiian shirt uh, even on casual friday at the office but but maybe the the tiki bar is is a place where you get to kind of let that freak flag fly a little bit i
0: think uh, i think that what attracts it to a lot of people of all different ages i mean you can go back we have people that bring their parents we have you know older older uh, patrons that love this place and remember when they were kids so and then we have like you know, fresh out of college, people come here because it is unlike any other bar. And uh, that's what a lot of tiki bars, and I think that's why there's a certain resurgence across uh, lots of major cities and, and, and places like Omaha. You know, you'll find tiki bars pop up, and you're like, oh, man, I love this. I, I dig it. People travel. They, they make little check marks of different cities they go to. They go, where is that tiki bar? And hopefully, like, we like to be that one in D.C. that they can kind of, as a, as a bellwether, and send people other ways. You know, it's like kind of a common uh, element throughout a lot of different cities now, you know, right. so it's really, it's kind of a cool thing to be a part of.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a neat little niche community for sure. And I think whenever you can find a community that gathers around flavor, among other mm-hmm. things, there's other, mm-hmm. the other aspects of Tiki as well, but uh, flavor is a huge part of it. So it's definitely cool that you are, uh, you know, dedicating your spot here in DC to, to be an epicenter for that flavor community. For Since DC is a place that we get a lot of people visiting, uh, it's really great that, that you're here providing that space. Can we talk about the history of Tiki and maybe use that as a way to kind of flesh out the definition? Because I think we still we've got some work to do. Mm Tiki is a big thing. But I think starting with the history and hitting some of the details, we might be able to build more of a picture in people's minds to give them uh, a better idea of Tiki.
0: Well, it's uh, it it helps to understand where it comes from. The inception of it is kind of, you know, it's two main gentlemen. So, you started out in the 1930s in LA, you have a gentleman by the name, uh, he goes by Don the Beachcomber. He created this little tropical bar in LA, he is you know, putting little plants, he's pretty good with making drinks, and he kind of creates this island oasis in this hotel bar. A lot of LA people are starting to come in, visit it, and Ernest Ganz, this guy who later became known as Trader Vic's, sees this idea, tries to buy into it uh, with actually Don the Beachcomber. And then, kind of goes well you don't want to be a part of me i'm gonna i'm gonna start my own so he starts trader vix and that is where it kind of takes it to the next level he starts he's really good at uh, creating atmosphere and which is notoriously hard to do and he is making drinks uh being a showman he is a constant showman white tablecloths he's kind of doing this element of uh of tropical plants there's there's music there's water so this is happening in the 30s and 40s and it kind of is slowly taking off what when it becomes fairly and very popular is in the 40s and 50s when you have a lot of world war ii veterans coming back from uh the 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 islands in the south seas they come back and they see the they might not be able to go and take their wives or take their families there but they remember these tropical destinations and now there's a, a restaurant that's catering to this and kind of this this mystical it's a like i said um a confluence of different ideas. So you're taking Caribbean rum, you're taking, you know, maybe some food from China. He's taking like Southeast Polynesian vibes. He's taking these ideas of tiki. Tiki in a, its element is these little like gods, island gods from Polynesian and uh, different islands. So you have these kind of spots pop up all over the country. So in Cleveland, there's a big restaurant. There's Maikai down in Florida. There's these restaurants that come out in the 40s and 50s. And they are becoming these big destinations. A lot of people go there for their their one night out, they bring their families. And so you have a lot of this, uh, the decor is, you know, to try to understand, it's a lot of these, bamboo is a big element, uh, wooden ships, sometimes you have like different puffer fish, you have different glass lights, you have all these elements that people don't really see, so it gives you a nice little kind of, like you're stepping back into a different era. And it becomes very popular in the fifties and sixties, and so at that at that stage, you're kind of getting, um, you know, these people making these highly difficult drinks, and it's this this era of mystery. So what you have is with these these cocktails, a lot of people have an understanding. I think at, um, that that uh, we can talk about the tiki drinks in a little bit, but what I, I think is this: it, it went hand in hand. You're getting these great, wonderful, like complex cocktails that are coming out of like a mystery. Uh, bar that just comes delivered to, to your table with these orchids and umbrellas and pineapple leaves and flowers and, and, and fruit and you're taking these sips of like you know passion fruit orgiat, all these new ingredients that no one really knows you know and maybe doesn't understand but they just know that they love it and it's delicious and so they're dangerously imbibing and it's a gr- it becomes a great night out for a lot of different people at that time
1: yeah, for sure. And and you kind of mentioned briefly the decor that's associated with it. And we're we're sitting up on your mezzanine right now. And I'm just going to take a little uh, tour of the room here visually, try and keep my, my mouth on the mic. But you've got a bunch of tiki-looking masks hanging on the walls. You've got some paintings of tiki masks. You have some framed island-themed albums. We've got one about Hawaii. There's an Elvis, I believe, the Blue Hawaii album. We've got... Some sconces, some candle sconces that have a very Polynesian vibe to them, and a lot of wood carvings. Uh, One of them is a, looks like a a stingray or a a manta ray over there. Uh, We've got fishing nets hanging from the ceiling, and then we have these like bamboo hanging chairs that are also almost like chandelier type art um and it's all accented by kind of tropical looking plants and flowers and uh, so i think in terms of like the the tiki vibe you've definitely got like a good sense of atmosphere even in a kind of mezzanine here in in dc
0: yeah that's our goal exactly uh you see a lot of these elements kind of pop up in different nights but uh for different bars they will have maybe a tiki drink night. We've been able to recreate and slowly add to it as we can kind of acquire new things and there, there's different kind of tiki idols, these t- tall tiki, uh, you know, as we talk to wood carvers, we get, you get this weird connection with people and we've talked to people that blow glass. And so there's this weird like sub community of people that really make it kind of a fun thing. And a lot of it's also DIY. So I think that tracks a lot of the home bartenders is that or, uh, the aesthetics is, okay well I can buy the thatch and I'll roll it out and, and make it my own little personal little bar cart and yeah. I'll slowly add to it and maybe I'll find another thing in a garage sale I'll pick up a glass and it has a little like mug on it and be able to bring it home
1: yeah my wife is actually from a beach community in South Jersey and, and she grew up there she was one of the locals so even even after the crowds went home for the for the winter she she stayed there but I I get the chance to visit there a lot Mm -hmm. and there's this one dock and it's kind of like a Southwest facing dock. So they, they're right on a point. They've got this great view of the sunset and they've got this awesome tiki bar. That's kind of got like this thatch. And it's, the thing that I love about the most is that they've got four Adirondack chairs literally drilled into the dock facing the sunset next to this thatch tiki bar. And you can tell that they've got, they're just like, we want a tiki bar, and we want it right in our favorite spot to view the sunset. And it's kind of like them creating their own little vibe right at right there on the water.
0: And that's exactly sometimes you know we we hope to create. People will say, "Oh, I had this great drink in Hawaii. I was on the beach," and I I can guarantee you that while we probably can't we can recreate the the drink, we're uh, we're really you know hoping to recreate that vibe too. You know, make sure that people are like, "Man, I just want to go back there for a little moment in time." And
1: yeah, so one of the things I want to zoom in on a little bit and see if we can talk a little bit more about is you mentioned an air of mystery around the tiki drinks and this is because tiki drinks are very complicated And like you mentioned especially in the 40s 50s people don't know what an orgeat is. Most people don't know what an orgeat or a Falernum is today. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe could you talk about some of the types of ingredients, whether those are the syrups or the juices that are that are commonly used, and just kind of go through some of those so that people can start making some flavor connections?
0: Sure. Real briefly, uh, the, their mystery kind of comes, again, with the showmanship that Trader Vic and um, down the Beachcomber like to exude. They would have these mystery bottles. The bartenders, a lot of the times, didn't know what was a Exactly. You know, they would make them in secret batches. They would have, you know, mixes of different rums, lots of different layers. So that's how they built a lot of these classic drinks: is using these ingredients that they would create and put them in bottles. And they would—it was the first kind of proto-batching when you're saying you take two or three different bottles of liquor, putting them in one, and then maybe making fresh juices in another, and having a batch of secret syrup. So you have a lot of mixes that call for Don spices. Now, Don spices would be maybe, you know, a mix of falernum which is basically a spice cordial so you see it kind of come in we make our own it's it's it's, it's a little bit labor intensive i won't lie so it comes in with you know lime peels and ginger and allspice and high proof uh rum to kind of carry and sugar you use these in a very finite finite amount so usually maybe a quarter ounce a bar spoon here you have things like orgeat which is an almond syrup That's what it started out as, and now people are using nut syrups in lots of different ways. It's kind of cool, but passion fruits and other, you know, these little tropical uh, flavors, they were able to dial in and create these like kind of exotic drinks based on uh, profiles that maybe people had not had before. So when you have, we kind of looked at it and were able to hopefully take those ideas and kind of push them a little bit forward or you know hopefully recreate them and then understand what those flavor profiles were and move forward so something like allspice jam, which is not something i think everybody has in their their maybe their home bar kit is is a basic a pimento dram so it's something you use in very like almost like bitters really you use a bar spoon and it creates this kind of like almost christmasy notes and has these allspice elements to it so it uh, gives it you might not know what you're tasting you just all of a sudden, at the end of the the drink, you're like, "I, that's that, oh, is that numbag?" So it's it's kind of a cool flavor profile to work within.
1: Right. Yeah. Allspice dram and falernum and orgeat are all things that you can definitely do at home. I'd say probably one of the better resources to look into if if you're interested in trying to do some DIY tiki stuff is probably Liquid Intelligence. Mm-hmm. I, I know that's where I got my orgeat recipe and it actually turned out pretty well the first time so you know usually that's not how it goes when you when you diy some of the more complicated ingredients
0: i think that's part of the fun of it is trying to figure <laughs> out like ah, well, this taste and you know hopefully you can find a good bar in your area that kind of can let you taste a couple other things i've always recommend people go and ask a bartender during a slow moment like hey what do you how do you make uh, some of these ingredients or can i taste just on the, on your own so when you're doing something like Orgiot or Flarem. There are a couple commercial uh, products available and I won't, I'm not a shill for any of them, but I do enjoy like Gaffard makes a good Orgiot And there's a couple things that have become available on the market that will add to your arsenal of at, at your home bar that you don't have to make an orgiat that might only last for three weeks or so.
1: Sure. Yeah. It's, it's always tricky when you, when you go for the, the larger produced, ingredients like that, uh, I would definitely go online before you pull the trigger and, mm-hmm. and read some reviews because people will be really honest about how their drinks turned out if they shelled out for it. Yeah, I, I prefer the fresh approach. One of the things I like about Tigi is the freshness of it. It is labor intensive in that literally you're juicing all that citrus, a lot of lime juicing and you know pineapple juice, any of those fresh fruit juice are just going to be fairly labor intensive. But I think, it's, I think that's part of the pleasure out of it for me uh, in terms of making the drinks at home you're definitely going to get a lot of reward out of taking that time and seeing your your skills improve
0: exactly those are critical you mentioned fresh juices again people have a somewhat you know negative association sometimes with tiki drinks as far as it goes they'll say oh you know it's kind of a stabs my heart a little bit when someone comes in and like oh, i don't want anything sweet i'm like oh no these are these are complex and with fresh juices you're looking for that balance and they give it to you that as is acid-base and so when you make them at home, you can kind of fine-tune within your needs. And so a lot of tiki drinks are a lot about texture as well. So you can dial in a lot of things with maybe some use of, uh, you mentioned liquid intelligence. Dave Arnold's great about telling you, oh, add a little bit of this little, little chemical and, you know, you can keep it at home. There's shelf stable. Anthem gum, something that kind of gives us this rich mouthfeel. And that's a critical part of tiki drinks.
1: Right. Yeah. So definitely check out that resources. We'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, It's a big book. It's a thick book, but it's a book that's going to really serve you well. So it's definitely worth paying out for. So other stuff about Tiki we've hit so far, some of the base ingredients, some of the history, what are some of the most popular Tiki drinks that people are going to come across if they go to pretty much any Tiki bar?
0: So It's funny. There's a lexicon of classic cocktails. I think that some of them have made that jump over. People are definitely familiar with Mai Tais. I think uh, for better or worse, they have had the arsenal of Mai Tais from great to chlorinely sweet. You have zombies, fog cutters. So some of those are going to be the classic style tiki drinks and can be made a variety of different ways. And I think that's what we were, when you look at these classic drinks, they might have eight, nine, 10 ingredients. And a lot of the for us was trying to dial in those, and for the home bartender as well, it's it's trying to figure out like, okay, so a recipe calls for a gold rum. What is a gold rum? What is a dark rum? What is a white rum? All those are are very important questions, and will make you, and will make or break your drink, or it can make your drink 15 different ways. Uh, so ingredients, especially when it comes to the liquor choice, and all those. It's just, it's a fun part of experimenting.
1: It's certainly a practice in complexity. Mm-hmm. And
0: the simplicity complexity debate in
1: cocktails is something that I'm personally really interested in because, you know, on the one end of the spectrum, you have the martini and the old fashioned and the Manhattan that are just these beautiful pieces of elegantly simple mixing of a few little ingredients. And then on the other hand, you have tiki cocktails. And like you said, eight, nine ingredients, that's almost hopelessly complex if you are looking for consistency across bars now it seems like what you were saying is that when you looked into starting this bar you were like all right we kind of need to figure out our Mai Tai Mm -hmm. as opposed to maybe the classic Trader Vic's Mai Tai or the Mai Tai that I had you know last month when I visited Latitude 20 down in New Orleans
0: it was, a, it was definitely a very large discussion we had when we came in uh, and wanted to kind of tackle. It's a daunting task, I feel like, for a lot of people, but what we had fun was, was looking into a Mai Tai. So you take the classic ingredients. When you look at it from one standpoint, it's just a margarita. It has orange curacao, it has lime juice, and it has one, uh, a liquor, and then a dash of orgeat that kind of takes it to this next level where it becomes a fun project is okay so trader Vicks might call for a rum agricole and a dark a dark rum he would use a you know, jamaican rum so okay well that's the that's the framework you're working within okay let's take it and what do we like to taste what do we you know what's our what are we going for so with us it was tackling like okay what rums create these little complex notes and that's what was interesting for us is you can make a mai tai hundred different ways based on which rums you choose so you want a lighter kind of maybe fruitier cocktail you might amp up the the orange curacao and, and make it a little bit sweeter with you know orgeot. or you might want to get In our case we love dark jamaican rums. so we did this like heavy like esser based like weird funky hogo ramen you know it's it's definitely sets us a little bit apart you know for some people i think they're like wow there's a lot of booze in here and like that's how we like it, but that's you know kind of gives us a you know framework to know what your palate is. Too. Sure, exactly.
1: You mentioned a term <clears throat> that I really like, and I don't think we have come across it yet on the podcast. Hogo. Can you mm-hmm. explain what hogo means?
0: So hogo is an older term. It uh, refers to uh, basically the funkiness of rum. So you're looking at it from you know I think people. I know you've uh, talked a little bit about rum in your podcast before, but rum is. Can go a lot of different ways because it is such a broad spirit. So you can end up with a, a very light column distilled Puerto Rican rum that's great for sipping, or you can end up on the opposite end of the spectrum, almost, as this is Jamaican, weird, like funky, what you would like get out of a pot still that kind of creates this. You're like, what am I, am I, you know, are these bananas in there? There's like this weird, like I'm the nose is, uh, is off. It's not like, I don't think it's one that people are like come across when they first started drinking rum. So for us, it was like, this is what we like. We, uh, we want those funky, weird ingredients and that's what we kind of responded to.
1: Yeah. And HOGO, it actually stands for, and you can, I, I'm, I'm going to say my understanding of if I'm wrong here, definitely correct me, but I believe that HOGO stands for Haute goute which is a French term for elevated or high taste or like great tasting.
0: Yeah, that would have something David Wondrich would be better served to uh, talk about the history, but he refers to it when he talks about rum, and it, it does have that weird, like, just you don't know the word, but you know what it refers to kind of moment. Right, and
1: I believe that the actual history of that taste is that that funkiness is also what they associate with dead game, So, like, you'd shoot a pheasant or something, and then you would hang that pheasant. You'd let it age, basically, and kind of start to decompose, to be honest. And at least back in the time when people started making rum, this was a really, really popular thing to do. And to kind of have that decay, like they just re- couldn't get enough of that. It was the best tasting thing in the world was this hung dead pheasant for a couple of days. And I think that's where Hogo and Hogue actually is derived from. And
0: as a person that likes to try new things and uh, likes the weirder spectrum of spirits and food, that's why we respond to that term and use it, you know, like to this day, I think, is because it, it does have a moment of a... Uh, uh, fun associated with it.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, folks, put hogo in your rum lexicon <laughs> and maybe drop that one next time you want to get a puzzled look from someone. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's talk about a couple more tiki cocktails that are that are pretty popular and maybe drop a couple recipes. Okay, I'm really interested in the jungle bird because it has Campari, I believe.
0: So that's one of those outliers. You say uh, rum, as far as we've talked about, it, has a certain spectrum tiki drinks. You know, you have your passion for orgeat and Falernum. A Jungle Bird kind of comes out of nowhere in the 70s. It becomes uh, a very popular drink and it's popular to this day because Campari is a, is a fun drink to work with. Most people associate it with a Negroni. I think that's the introductory and you kind of, oh, well, it's bitter. It's kind of this like weird Italian digestif and you enjoy it. They, they were using it in the Jungle Bird as kind of this this spice notes to, uh, with these notes to bring out uh, a little bit of bitterness and balance to the pineapple juice they're, they're throwing in there so it's a, usually called for like a dark Jamaican rum and uh, you have a little little sugar to kind of balance it out but the Campari gives us this awesome nuance and, and notes and you might not generally associate bitters and you don't see them a lot of times I, mean, I don't mean bitters I mean like bitter aper, uh, and aperitifs you don't see them called for in classic tiki drinks because they weren't available at the time but that doesn't mean that you can't use them it sure. just means it brings different uh, different notes to drinks and that's why it's fun to try and the jungle bird has been a fun modern drink to kind of bring in new elements too
1: so it's dark rum pineapple juice campari anything and, else yeah
0: a dash of sugar okay uh you know and you can that's that's a framework again a lot of these the great thing about cocktail culture is that sometimes these drinks are written down uh, jungle bird actually was but like a mai tai there's 14 different versions of a mai tai in beach bomb berry's book and they all call for like maybe they call for orange juice and or maybe they call for pineapple juice sometimes and the definition is not written in stone sometimes you can kind of play around with that and sure. so it's it's it creates a little bit more of a, a playground to to work with them which we like
1: yeah can we do zombie and painkiller okay I feel like
0: those are like two
1: more like real exactly. popular ones
0: so zombies are, again one of those drinks that you see 14 different versions. The 1937 version, this was sold in 1944 at a different bar. So with Zombies, you have three different types of rums, generally, Uh, 151, which is an overproof rum, which is going to give you the backbone. And then you have two different other uh, rums, usually a Puerto Rican and maybe a Jamaican rum. And then you have uh, lime juice, grapefruit juice, usually cinnamon syrup. And you have Angostura bitters and sometimes Pernod. And then from there, you know, we have our own version, so sometimes a little bit, a little bit more curacao, and sometimes some, a uh, little bit of a, and a little bit of sugar. So, you know, those are that's the the tiki framework. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, that kind of comes out. That so the the zombie comes in 1937, roughly, and then on the other end of the spectrum is the painkiller. So the painkiller comes out of the soggy bottom bar in the 1970s. This is a bar down in Florida, in the Bahamas region, and becomes associated with. It's kind of like right where the pina colada is it's kind of like that next step so it would have pineapple juice and orange juice coconut and uh dark rum so and it's garnished with a little bit of nutmeg now get into the legal definition i think painkiller is uh, trademarked at this point but for my you know, those are the those are what makes it great it's kind of a little bit sweet but it has those, that jamaican rum which gives it a backbone mm-hmm. and it becomes a very popular drink to to sip on and that Coco Lopez, which we prefer, but cream of coconut is, is the ingredient that kind of makes everybody think of, you know, that beach weather.
1: Right. Yeah, I really like what you're saying when you describe some of these drinks, and, uh, you know, you're almost using, like, an anatomical definition. You're saying the, the, the 151 in the Zombie gives it the backbone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jamaican rum gives it the backbone, and it seems like, you know, with, with Tiki, it, it, you're almost starting from that kind of core, like what's going to make this drink stand up and actually be a boozy drink. Right. And what are the things that are then going to spread out from there to kind of balance it out? All right. If we've got something sweet kind of spreading out from this side, how are we going to get something acidic in there as well? That's going to balance that out and not make it too cloying. So is that kind of a way to think about balancing a tiki drink?
0: I think uh, that's, that's one of the important elements that for us is Okay, so certain rums, you don't want to go too heavy into one, it'll overpower the drink you're looking for. And that's a large part of why a lot of these call for two, you know, it's a very interesting to split a base. So when you make in Manhattan, you have usually two ounces of a spirit. But in a rum drink, you're calling maybe th- three three quarters of an ounce and why are you doing that and so that took us a while to understand why you would have a Jamaican rum next to a Puerto Rican rum next to a Guyana rum next to a you know Martinique rum all those give these notes that are almost hard to understand uh from a palate level it took us a while exactly to understand how they work together so it was it was it's been a long uh long time to kind of uh get comfortable but it's been a cool thing to do so it's with drinks at home that's what buying a couple rums and trying stuff out is is kind of the goal
1: yeah Absolutely. I, I had a great interview with Chad Robinson, who's the brand rep for Catoctin Creek. And one of the things that we talked about was infinity bottles and he has a rum infinity bottle. And, you know, he was talking about how that's very similar to what a master blender does at a distillery, uh, particularly like a brandy or a cognac house. And so it seems like what you're doing here in a tiki bar in order to zoom in on that particular blend that's going to make your Mai Tai just that much more special as you're Actually doing a little bit of that blending yourself, um, but once it's locked in, like the goal is eventually to lock that in and have that be like your secret bottle, like the bottle with the three X's on it that you're not going to tell people exactly what's in it.
0: Right. One of our uh, more popular drinks is called the Pineapple Hospitality, and it's all listed as rum and secrets. And you get a lot of questions like, "What are secrets?" And you go, "Well, I think that's exactly what they are. They're secret." And so uh, you get a lot of like these back and forth, and you're kind of like. Well, just enjoy yourself. Like, let, let somebody, you know, in this day of everybody knowing everything and transparency, it's kind of fun to have one thing just be unknowable. And so it's been fun for us, again, to, to, to figure out those different weird rums and, and wonder how they work together.
1: Yeah. I, I think that one of the things that I'm discovering as we talk is that there's definitely an aspect of tiki where it's just like, shut up and enjoy your drink
0: honestly uh i end up saying that that sometimes in my head a lot because people look at the drinks the garnishes and you know it's a cliche but you drink with your eyes first right Be a lot of people say that and and you know with tiki it's 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 one of the, the most uh forward elements it's like oh i've got this big huge glass i've got this like frothy mug and i've got uh you know umbrella on top a twisty straw and a and a mint mint spray geranium, and an orchid and you know what, like maybe just enjoy the drink. Don't worry about, you know, what, what goes in it. I mean, you know, we're happy to tell you, of course, but uh, right, for the right. most part, like, you know, just, you know, enjoy yourself. Like, let it, let it, let it happen. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think maybe a good piece of advice for somebody who's never gone to a tiki bar, if you want to go to one, definitely like pay attention and, and enjoy the details. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe the, the
0: thing that should be taking the front seat is just chilling out and enjoying the vibe. I think that, and again, I, I spoke to that in the beginning and I, the drinks are something we focus on and we're proud of, but at the same point, like, I want you to have a, a good time. I want yeah. you to not, uh, I want you to enjoy yourself and, and lay back and, and kind of take your mind off everything, especially in DC as, you know, again, this city is, is constantly going and hustling and bustling. And you're just kind of like, look at just one moment, let loose. Yeah. And drink a drink. A drink. <laughs>
1: nice. So before we jump into the lightning round okay. here, I do want to just ask if you have any advice for people who want to, in a home bar setting, achieve mm. some of the beauty and the garnish complexity that comes with a lot of tiki drinks. Because at a bar, the nice thing is you can do everything at scale. You can prep all your garnishes ahead of time. Uh, at home, how can somebody maybe pay attention while they're shopping or use some of the things lying around their pantry to make a really cool tiki garnish uh, without having to, you know, purchase a bunch of stuff.
0: So garnishes are a fun element of tiki and the kitsch and the kind of pageantry of it. You know, we are constantly looking into the different different ways to kind of create a drink. But, you know, if you're at home, there are you know, fresh fruit can be cut a lot of different ways we've we've done zesting you've done you know you have these little a nice little tool to have is actually a little channel knife so a channel knife will give you kind of like these different ways to cut little designs into maybe an orange or a lime and you can look online to see kind of examples of what, how we do it we do it with bananas you know we made little banana animals and you know, take some cloves, you put them for eyes, and you'll be surprised how much reaction you get out of a guest or a bar at home if you're handing a person a drink with a little banana. You know, we do an octopus. We cut little legs into the half of a banana, and all of a sudden you've got a little banana sitting on your, sitting on your drink. So lime wheels, lemon wedges. Uh, have, a, have, a, have a couple of toothpicks laying around. They can go a long way. Fresh mint sprigs. Um, so, you know, those garnishes, a paper umbrella, they're very cheap. They're they're fun to have around. You can hide in a bar cart. You know you can buy pretty decent brandy cherries these days, and having a couple of those around. And don't be afraid of it. Don't like, You know there was this. I think this move to minimalism and this aesthetically like let's just focus on the drink. Tiki is the opposite of that. Tiki is tiki is a lot of that's uh, that's over overindulge. Let's let's just throw everything on there. And again uh, with tiki, if you buy if you have a couple mugs at home, you're garnishing the top of the glass. So you want to have a straw, uh, there's a couple of good uh, metal ones around these days. You know, poke that right into the ice. So again, I hadn't talked about the ice. That's kind of an interesting thing to to bring into mind. A lot of people, you can buy a small little ice crusher, as opposed to most drinks that are shaken or stirred, that want larger cubes or maybe like bigger chunks so you're not diluting as much. Tiki drinks are going to have this different viscosity to them when you're using orgiate or you're using like a rich simple syrup so you want the drink to last longer that's the other thing that uh, something like a zombie or mai tai these aren't meant to be gulped down they are like slow sippers so uh, we use crushed ice here you can use these little it's called pebble ice there's a couple little buy yourself a cheap wearing thirty dollars they'll you can put little chipped ice in there hand crank them out it gets this nice pebble ice and you use those as, as, instead of shaking it, you're using a little, we use milkshake tins. So the milkshake tins will, and like four ounces of crushed ice and whip it around a little milkshake uh, spinner. You can buy those. Tiki is not just like a, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a mindset, but it is like, you have to have a couple little things to make it work for you at home, but they're not, you're gonna break the bank. But if you have a couple of these, it goes a long way to making a perfect Mai Tai for you. Yeah. And um, so the crushed ice, again, and then you're filling it to the top of the brim. Put that drink in there and then garnish that top of the glass and just uh, have fun with it, man. Don't don't overthink it too much. Just, you know, try to try to make sure that you enjoy it. And uh, turns out those drinks are really Instagram friendly, man. They so. really
1: are. I was at one in Virginia the other week and they, they gave me a drink that was served up in a a glass that was basically like looked like a fish with its mouth open mm-hmm. and they had like just mint like coming out of the fish's mouth it looked like it was like barfing up mint or something but it was so cool it yeah
0: like, and it? I, again I I know exactly what glass you're talking about uh, yeah. uh, and I would love to serve you a drink in that. Those those are the ones like use use your imagination there's no right or wrong way. It's just, again, whatever makes you happy. And that's why uh, I think a lot of people respond to TK at the end of the day.
1: Right, those are great points about garnishes and ice. So just to summarize, we're going to put links to some of those metal straws, maybe some cocktail picks, some umbrellas, and an ice crusher to create that pebble ice. We'll put links to all of those in the show notes, not to say that we have necessarily an opinion on the best brands, but we'll put some links so that you can go to our show notes page, modernbarcart.com forward slash podcast. Check out what those pieces of equipment look like so that you can go do your own research and figure out where to buy them. Hopefully, as we break into the hardware a little bit more, we'll be able to uh, put together a little Tiki kit for uh, for folks at home that's kind of curated by us. But uh, in the meantime, we'll definitely get you those links so you can do some self-shopping. Ready for some lightning round? I think so. Awesome. So what is your favorite cocktail? And if you don't have a favorite of all time, is there a cocktail that you've been more recently
0: obsessed with? I feel like I'm uh, cheating a little bit here because I've talked about it so much already. But I don't have a favorite cocktail, I drink. Uh, love, you know, everything about old fashions and and Negronis and could go wax on and on about them. But uh, when you're in a tiki bar and you have all these tools at your disposal, a proper Mai Tai goes a long way. And I'm constantly finding different ways to make it my own and to change it and maybe someday make it a, you know, and it's a fun drink to, to experiment with. So... That would probably be my favorite right now, and the one I'm always going to have in the back of my head. How do I make it better?
1: <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and it seems because there's so many access points for complexity that that's a, it's never going really to
0: bore you. It's yeah, exactly. Like uh, you can go and uh, that's uh, the, the only the only kind of small downfall of it is that not every bar will have orgiat I don't think every bar should have orgiat behind the bar, but if you find one and you see it on the menu, it's it's a fun one to. Um, placeholder to a kind of or a, to reference point for other other bars it's like oh they make it this way why do they make it that way what uh, or how do I make it at home and what is the different about this and it's a cool it's a cool one to kind of bellwether to kind of go bar to bar from
1: yeah for sure almost like a tuning fork yeah yeah you know, what, what's like, the oh, vibration well, of well, that old particular old fashions place. were like
0: that and for a long time I think daiquiris are like that now to a lot of bars yep. but uh to Mai ties will tell you tell you a lot what you want to know about a bar right a bartender <laughs>
1: cool We're debuting a new lightning round question here this week. If you were a cocktail ingredient or tool, so it can be the software or the hardware used to make
0: it, what would you be and why? So I had a a quick moment to think about this, but my go-to answer right now would be probably a bar spoon. So the bar spoon is one of those uh, ingredients you're just kind of, it is a little bit, how you use it is important. Um, and it kind of like it's fun to it. it stirs all the cocktails. It makes it all blend together. And I think like what I like about bartending is you're working with a lot of different, a lot of different elements. And working with guests, you're working with like crowd control. You're working with maybe maybe something. The POS is not working, and all of a sudden you've got to make that all work together. It's a slow like stir of of and you're mixing all the ingredients and hopefully coming out with a different little a, a great cocktail. So. Like I said, uh, not to sound too cheesy, but, uh, I would, uh, you know, think on when I have fun behind the bar and I'm doing my job well, uh, you know, everything's coming out okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Bar spoon. That's a great answer. I love bar spoons and you're right. You know, it, the bar spoon is ultimately responsible for, you know, creating that fusion, whether mm-hmm. that's, uh, atmosphere or flavor. So yeah, yeah a great answer. If you could have a cocktail with anybody in the world, past or present, who would you have a drink with? What would you drink? Where would you go? And what would you talk about?
0: so i would have to go out of the past here on this one mark twain so um i love a little bit of i I do like history a lot and i've always enjoyed mark twain's kind of writings he wrote a book i kind of stumbled upon at one point called innocence abroad and i read it it was his travels throughout like you know the mediterranean and middle east at the time and it was kind of it was it sounded like a you know a person you could have a conversation with outside of time his opinions you know come and go but it was very it was kind of, it would be an a fun experience to grab a drink with sit down have some whiskey in the south have some whiskey on a, on a you know a river boat or maybe in the middle of the his travels in the middle east and just be like what's going on let's have fun you know and it would be a, a i think a really cool conversation
1: yeah definitely a curious guy i've recently come across a picture of him holding like A model 1911 handgun which is it's a very modern looking thing because that particular Mm -hmm. firearm actually set the aesthetic standards for the entire 20th century of what a handgun looks like really and so to see Mark Twain who's this blast from the 19th century right where things are very much Wild West shooting up holding this gun that looks like something that maybe you'd see in a cop movie in the 80s was just a really crazy thing and I the thing I liked about that photo was just like yeah The dude was clearly, like, curious and really didn't care too much about convention or what his image was, and I think he he definitely has a bit of a tiki streak in him.
0: Yeah, he uh, also uh, failed notoriously at business, man. Uh, I would probably (laughs) ask him a little bit of advice, about hey, what not to do (laughs) (laughs) about uh, owning a a small um, bar? But, you know, he just seemed like one of those guys that he kind of could sit down and uh, talk about a little bit of everything.
1: Yeah, for sure. Cool. Mark Twain. Are there any books about tiki or cocktails in general i know we mentioned liquid intelligence mm-hmm. earlier in the episode uh, but are there any books that were particularly influential or that you might recommend to people who are looking to learn
0: more oh definitely i think there are three books right now that i'm kind of that are always in the back of our bar that are, are helping us out uh one is always going to be beach bomb berries he just came out with a 10-year anniversary re-release that's definitely worth picking up it gives you uh, a much better in-depth history than I ever could. But if you sit at my bar, I'd be happy to kind of help you out. That book is going to be great about not only the history and kind of the what we talked about, where the Mai Tai is, Don the Beachcomber. The second book that kind of talks about Tiki's going right now and was a great resource guide for us when we opened was uh, Smuggler's Cove. So Martin Kate was instrumental in creating Smuggler's Cove about, I think about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit longer at this point. It was one of the first that brought the Tiki Resurgence back, and it is a great uh, guide for the home bartender as well, because it'll tell you how to flash, how to flash blend. Uh, again, when we talked about crushing ice and such, he would, that book is instrumental in, in helping us. The third book is going to be a rum guide. So it just came out about, I think, the last year or so by Tristan Stevenson. He's, uh, has tr- uh, so when we talked about rum and building blocks, rum is a hard spirit to lock down for a lot of reasons but he was able to visit island by island and distillery by distillery, and really that's as far as we can tell the best way to to understand where your rum is coming from yep um so he and he has a very clear definition of what rum is and breaks down the the different fermentation distillation methods and kind of helps you answer any questions you might have as a home bartender
1: right and rum is one of those notoriously diff- difficult spirits to even just put a definition yeah, on. yeah to classify
0: sometimes. it is is kind of a exercise of futility because right people will argue with you to the end of time and you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> we'll, well we have our opinions but uh you know at the same point like it's if it tastes good it tastes good man cool
1: yeah we'll definitely link to those in the show notes as well where tiki is going this is actually a question that i, I glossed over do you uh do you have any any quick thoughts on on where tiki might be headed
0: uh, well to answer that question is kind of like uh you're looking at cocktail culture i think this is the natural extension of where cocktail culture was so it focused on pre-prohibition and focused on those tiki is kind of the last vestige of that element so you know when the of cocktails and then it kind of had that dark period in the 70s and 80s and as it's come back i'm very interested to see where it's going i think uh it's definitely the right time in 2018 to kind of take a step back and enjoy yourself from vacation. But where it's going, I think a lot of drinks can stand with a little bit of levity. I think sometimes the cultural, uh culture, I mean, and can be a little bit stayed, a little bit like let's you know like let's have this austere like you know it took itself too seriously for a long time mm-hmm. i think that's now it's coming out on the other side it's like okay well let's just have a drink let's at any bar you can have you should have good cocktails i think tiki can be part of that conversation
1: yeah great it kind of like almost like a counterbalance to the uh the stuffiness that has has set in a little bit right
0: and, and you know like you you drink a drink out of a twisty straw and like i said you're you're going to like naturally smile <laughs> right
1: yeah one one maybe one way to 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 say it would be uh, the cocktail renaissance has a bit of a hangover and it needs a (laughs) painkiller well said (laughs) all right last question here before we tell folks how to get in touch with you and where you are but if you could give any piece of advice to somebody who's just starting to learn about or experiment with tiki what would that advice be
0: I always say this to anybody uh, you get this question a lot as I what drinks I start, how do I create a tiki arsenal so I say focus on one drink find the drink you like be able to make that one drink well. And then maybe you have the ingredients, again, um, for one tiki cocktail, maybe it's a jungle bird, you have your Campari, your pineapple juice, uh, your, your simple syrup, and all of a sudden you're like, well, I want to use that ingredient and I'll get one more drink. And then you're adding in one more, one more syrup. And then all of a sudden you, have, you can make two drinks. And then once you've dialed those in, you, have, you can make a, you focus on a third drink. And then you kind of start seeing that you can make four or five drinks. So start slowly, focus on uh, one or two things, and then come uh, kind of expand naturally, let it happen. Maybe throw a party, make a punch bowl, and uh, and make a couple of tiki drinks on the side, and then then expand slowly. Sure. Great. That's great advice.
1: Uh, how can people get in touch if they have any questions about tiki or they want to get in to Archipelago and have some awesome drinks?
0: So we always uh, always on the Instagram. Follow us. Again, uh, we like our we, we we like taking pictures of our drinks, so you can follow us at Archipelago Bar DC. That's also the name. Uh, you can email us if you have any questions about stuff. Info at archipelagobardc.com. Those are the easiest ways to get on us. Of course, we got a Facebook page. Don't recommend uh, Facebook Messenger. I get a, every <laughs> once in a while. I get uh, my wires crossed on that one. But uh, and you know, uh, stop in. You know, one of us is always here. One of the one of the other me and the other guys are going to be here for the foreseeable future. Always behind the bar, making drinks, and hopefully. Uh, you know, giving you uh, some fun vibes. Nice. Ben, thanks so much
1: for taking thanks. the time and uh, we'll talk soon. Uh, thank you so much. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Barkhart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start This episode was made possible with editing and production assistance by Samantha Reed, amazing tiki insights by Ben Wiley, annoying background noise from those construction guys on U Street, and a little interview magic by yours truly. This has been A Modern Barkhart Production Copyright 2018.